Wonderful. Well, hopefully you've said hello to someone around you. Good morning. It's really good to be together. My name's Nathan, and uh, this morning we're going to, I believe, have a wonderful time together, enjoying God and enjoying time together. And uh, later on, Andrew's going to be preaching. I've just seen his notes on there. I've seen your notes. I've got your notes here, Andrew. Dodger, what are you staring at? Haven't you never seen a toff? Oliver, no, never. I'm sorry. Wrong one there. We're not going to be doing Oliver today. Um, If you're a guest or visitor, oh, you're getting heavier. If you're a guest or visitor this morning, you are so welcome. And hopefully you've already had someone come and give you a welcome pack and just kind of say hello and explain what's going on. If you haven't, we would love to get one of those to you. And you can receive one of those from our lovely people in yellow t-shirts. Give us a wave. Yellow t-shirts, give us a wave. There we go. They are wonderful. And uh, so you can grab one from them, and they'll be happy to answer any questions. Or would anyone next to you as well? Um, So you're really welcome this morning. Children, you'll be going downstairs in about three songs' time. We hope you have a wonderful morning and uh, enjoy all that you do downstairs. If you have any contributions this morning, if you feel like God's just stirring your heart, maybe with a scripture, maybe with just a prayer just bursting forth from inside of you, please do come and grab a mic from me and I'd love to help uh, just facilitate that. Everyone can hear that. And uh, there we go. And uh, yeah, we'd love just to hear what God's got for us this morning. So let's all be open to that. Just as we were praying, I just felt like God reminded us that this is his meeting place. That us gathering together is his meeting place. That when we gather, he wants to come amongst his people and meet with us in power. He wants to come and reveal his love to us, but he also wants to speak into situations and speak into us as a church. And so why don't we just stand to our feet. Katie and the band are going to lead us in worship, but let's just... Maybe just you want to lift out your hands to say, God, I want to receive what you've got for me today. Father, we are here for you. We are here to worship you and to encounter you and to hear your voice. Lord God, would you speak? Oh God, would you speak into our situations today? God, would you come and stir our hearts that we would see you for who you are, that you're the king on the throne, that you're all-powerful, that you're in control, that you're sovereign. And God, help us to reflect our worship back to you as we see you for who you are. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good news for the captive, good news for the shamed, there is good news for the one who walked away, there is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed, for the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer, he's our rescuer, we are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound 
is for the poor. He is friendship for the one the world ignores. He is pasture for the weary, rest for those who strive. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the life. Yes, the good Lord is the way, the truth, the do praise you Lord we praise you that we are free from sin forevermore we are free from sin forevermore Lord we thank you for your goodness Lord we love you we want to praise you we come and we worship you this morning Lord we lift your holy name we give you all the glory today, Lord. Amen.
my name's Jan, for those of you that don't know me, I am in hospitality, so I've been doing a seasonal job down at Goodwood Racecourse and Motor Circuit, um, and we're packing up the circuit this week, next week, and I sent my CV to the manager, and she said, really sorry, we haven't got anything for the winter, but we would love to have you back next year, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, that's amazing, and my team leader said to me, well, why did you ever doubt that? Because I hold things lightly. Five, six months is a long time. I'm not going back till March. But what I'm trying to say is that although we might doubt our material things, we sadly, yes, we may do doubt our government, etc. But that over there, please don't doubt him. He does... There is no doubt that he is the saviour. There is no doubt that he can turn things around. And I just want to pray into that. Whatever your situation is, whether it's personal, corporate, whether you are worried about the government, whether it's an illness, it doesn't matter. He can turn it around. And I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, there is no doubt in you. Absolutely none whatsoever that you can turn any situation around, Lord. Whether it's an illness, a job, coursework, exam results, things in your family, where you may have doubted, please don't. Just put your trust in him. Hold those things lightly, but better still, just leave them at the foot of the cross. And he will deal with them. And he will look after those things. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Lamb. He's the Roaring Lion. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Risen Savior. We're going to sing this song that we started we introduced last week called Behold Him. He who was before there was light walked across the pages of time. He who made every living thing Behold him He who heard humanity's cry Left his throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion, oh, be still and behold him. He who died. dined with sinners and saints healed the blind the 
children to go down to their groups. If you are new here and you haven't taken your children down before, there are lots of parents headed in the right direction. You're welcome to follow them and they'll show you where you need to go. 
Good morning. In the week I was reading in Hebrews and I got to chapter 12 and this portion really touched me and sort of went right through. You'll see, I think, when I read it. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire. To darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast, and to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. There comes a great smashing butt. But you have come to Mount Zion to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he was promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain, may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We're going to carry on worshipping. Just, let's just hear God and what he's speaking to us at this moment. We come to one who we can bring our doubts to of, of the world around us and lay them at his feet. Jesus welcomed Thomas and he said, come, come put your, your fingers in my hand. He didn't just say stop doubting and believe. He, he said, come, come and see, come and experience. But then also we come to one who cannot be shaken. We come to the one who is, is never going to fall. The Holy One, the one we've just been singing about. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We say, lift our eyes afresh today, Lord God. Give us a greater vision of who you are. As Chris has read that passage, as Jan has exhorted us, Lord God, I pray, lift our eyes towards you, King Jesus. Help us to see you in our situations, Lord God, in our things going on in our lives right now. Help us to see you on the throne. Let's carry on worshipping together.
I should. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough, more than I need. At your word, I will believe. I wait for you, draw near again. Let your spirit make me. Your feet, I will fall. 
will fall. This morning I have a sense that God is weeping. He is weeping because for some of us the messes we have got ourselves into offend him and he weeps for us and he says come back let me sort it out. Nothing is so bad that I cannot accept you back. Repent and turn. Let me have the mess that you have made of your life. I'm weeping over you, my child. I'm weeping over you. Just before Chris comes and leads us in prayer, let's just respond to that. Father, we thank you that you are the everlasting Father, the one with arms stretched wide arms stretched wide open for us, Lord God. And we thank you that your heart is for us. And Lord, I pray that each of us would feel that sense again this morning, Lord God, that your heart is for us. Help us, Lord. Help us to turn back to you again where we need to. Help us, Lord God, as individuals to to repent of things that we need to repent of, to turn away from our sinful ways and turn towards you, mighty God. Thank you. Your heart is to do us good. Your heart is to to lead us in good plans and good purposes. We pray, Lord God, help us even this morning, through the rest of this morning, Lord God, help us to hear your voice and turn towards you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Good morning. So let's continue. Uh, in prayer, in the presence of the living God, almighty God, our loving Father God. 
about whom and to whom we've been singing. I was reminded that uh, in the Bible, one of the letters, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And I was thinking about that because there's been a lot in the news over the last few days. Turbulence, change, uncertainty in leadership and in government in the UK, with ongoing economic pressures and continuing conflict in other places of the world, in Ukraine and so on. So let's pray for the women and men in positions of office in our nation, those with authority, responsibility and influence, those facing pressures and scrutiny. Lord God, thank you that from the earliest times you've raised up, you've spoken to and you've guided leaders, leaders of communities and nations. And we read in the Bible how you have given insight and strength and perseverance to those leaders at the right time, in times of adversity and confusion, when there have been threats and oppression. And sometimes, Lord, or maybe often, this is despite our weakness, our folly or our mistakes. Thank you. And thank you, God, that you are unchanging, that you are all-powerful, that you are merciful and compassionate, that you are all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise. Thank you that we can have confidence in you because you understand what is going on today. So again, please give your wisdom your compassion, your heart to leaders of our nations and our councils. May they have courage and clarity as they make difficult decisions, not in their own strength and understanding, but in yours. Please grant to leaders and influencers, locally, nationally and internationally, the compassion that Jesus demonstrated the wisdom that you shared with Solomon, the insight received by Gideon, the intelligence of Deborah, the integrity of Daniel, the courage showed by Esther. Help our leaders to navigate these challenging times well. May they make decisions based on mercy and compassion, not self-interest. Based on wisdom and humility instead of pride or self-confidence. Pursuing policies that are just and righteous rather than popular and for short-term gain. 
Lord, we know that any decision, whether to do something or not to do something, has an effect on others. So uh, we want to pray too to ask your help for uh, and your presence with those who are affected by the decisions that are being made by governments and councils in areas of schooling, health and social care, with household budgets, energy, food, housing, incomes and pensions, and community cohesion. Lord, have mercy and bring your presence amongst those who influence and work in these areas. Lord, we've seen the issues of COVID and energy supply and climate change and all these things that have been uh, in the news recently of migration of people fleeing conflict and oppression. They all remind us that we're part of a wider global community and that decisions made in Parliament in London affect people in homes and neighbourhoods across the country. That policies and courses of action pursued in the UK, or indeed any other country, have implications for neighbours and communities around the globe. May we all, in whatever position we hold, recognise that we operate under you, Lord God. You have authority. You are the living God. So guide and equip for the roles in which our leaders lead and serve. Father God, we come to you confident, knowing that you are compassionate and gracious, abounding in love and faithfulness, and with power and authority. Amen. Not sounding good. <laughs> no? Don? Hello? Yes, we are. Okay, great. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for leading us in our prayer. It's so important in these days we are praying for our government and our leaders. Uh, hi, my name's Andrew. If we've not met before, I'm part of the leadership team here in our church. And uh, would you like me to use a handheld instead? Have we got bad connection? Okay, brilliant. Okay, thank you. And uh, so uh, it's my privilege to um, uh, uh, be preaching this morning, and we're going to be continuing in our exploration of the book of Romans. Before we uh, dig into the passage we're going to be looking at today, uh, I've got, if we could have the uh, PowerPoint up, please. I've got a question for you. Um, I wonder, have you ever gone and visited a house? I, and this may just be about me, okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm nosy. But you know, have you ever gone and visited a house you've never been to before and you've knocked on the front door or you've gone perhaps to the garden gate and as the door opens, you get this vista and you think, Man, I want to get in there and have a good look. Man, I want to go through that gate and into that, wow, look at that garden and the countryside beyond. And you thought, I wonder how I can get in. 
There's so much there to see. I wonder how I can persuade, blag my way past the gatekeeper, the, the owner of the house, whether I can persuade them to let me in somehow, to let me come and see. Anybody else like that? Okay, a few of us maybe. Yeah, yeah, oh, thank you, Helen. Thank you for acknowledging. I see your bid. Well, all close rating you a fiver. No. Um, <laughs> I feel like as we've started to read the book of Romans, and we're starting to consider all that the gospel is, that we've stood at a doorway. We know what the good news is, the good news of salvation by faith in Jesus. We know something of the enormity of that. And yet, as we are reading this book of Romans, we are glimpsing more. And I want to encourage us, don't stand at the door. Dive in. Go and explore. Go and enjoy the vista. Go and enjoy the beauty and the majesty of the gospel of Jesus. For there is so much here to dig into, to enjoy. To, uh, and as you do so, it will influence and shape your life. And so today we're just going to start to talk about a, a doctrine called justification by faith. And that's, that's the, uh, one of the two chapters we're going to be looking at today. But we can only give it, you know, in 20 minutes, we can only do so much. And I really want to encourage us, let's go and explore so much more. You know, the message of the gospel is not just about salvation. It's about restoration of relationship with Almighty God. Salvation enables us to know Almighty God, to enjoy Almighty God, to grow in a relationship with him, to enjoy intimacy with him, and so, so much more. And that may be news to you today. If it is, please come and explore. Come on our Alpha course. It's a great way to explore the Christian faith. Please ask questions of the person you've come with or the person sitting next to you. Let's be an adventurous people who dig deep into the goodness of God, of the love of God that we've been worshipping today, that the fullness of his gospel will impact our lives. Amen? Amen. Great. So uh, today we are uh, going to be exploring uh, Romans uh, chapter 5. It's a bit small on the screen, so you may want to get your Bible out if you've, uh, uh, if you've got your Bible with you. And in fact, we're going to be also exploring part of Romans chapter 6. We've got lots to dig into, but I'm going to read uh, first of all from Romans 5, uh, which says this. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom... We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. By the way, that's us. If you wonder who the ungodly are, that was us. Before we came into salvation, that was us. Those who did not know God, who did not have a relationship with God. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And since we have now been justified by his blood, that's Christ's blood poured out on the, on the cross, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Wow. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Father, as we consider this passage over these next few minutes, Lord, would you draw us closer into relationship with you? Help us to see the enormity of your gospel and the impact it's to have on our lives. Shape us, Lord. Mold us through your word that we'd be more and more your people given over to you, given over to your word, given over to relationship with you and to pursuing you in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, where do you go with a passage like this? I mean, you know, many preachers, if you gave them a passage like this, they'd, they'd want hours to talk through it. And so, I've decided to focus on one aspect. I, I feel what Paul's doing here is he's explaining the benefits of justification, of justification by faith. Well, before we dig into the benefits, you may want to say, what do you mean by justification by faith? What does it mean to be justified by faith? What does that phrase mean to you, I wonder? You know, sometimes we can get into trouble, can't we, with maybe your spouse or uh, uh, when you were younger or even perhaps even this age with your parents and you feel, or with a work colleague, and you have to justify your behavior. You have to explain why you did it. You have to uh, put out a good case for, well, this is, this, is, this is why you should love me. This is why you, what I did was right. Well, what we mean by here when we talk about justification by faith is that we are made just by God, by our faith in God. It's how we come into that relationship with him. We are made right. We're given God's righteousness. It's the process of justification by faith is how we get hold of the righteousness of God as his free gift to us. And um, so this morning, uh, I just want to take us through this passage and highlight some of the benefits of uh, being justified by faith in God. In other words, when we talk about being justified by faith in God, it's saying also, therefore, we're not going to be justified by other things. We're not going to try and persuade God that we're worthy because of what we do because of what we know, because of our good deeds, our good works. No, we're, we're, we're saying we're, we're, our faith in God. What's faith? Well, faith is trust. By putting our trust in God, we are trusting that he will justify us. Nothing else, nothing that we own, nothing that we do, nothing that we know. All the things, all the bits and pieces of our lives which we want to think, oh, that's so good, isn't it? Going, Hang on, no, it's any good before God. We're justified by faith in him alone so let's work through this passage a bit the benefits of justification by faith first one um we're told here in uh, uh verse verse um verse one yeah we're made righteous we're righteous in god what's that mean we're right with god we're made right with god relationship is restored with God. That's what happens when we put our faith into Almighty God and we trust that the cross is sufficient. <laughs> We're made right. We don't have to find any other way of 
being made right, of, of being holy. It's God's gift to us. Isn't that precious? Isn't that wonderful? That's why we don't have to go and seek him in other ways. We don't have to impress him in other ways. I love it when uh, in 1 Timothy it talks about godliness with contentment is great gain. And actually written in the context of money, but actually it's a great thing for life. Actually when we put our trust in God, <laughs> we can be content in him. We don't need to look anywhere else. We don't need to do anything else. He's sufficient. He's complete. It results in peace with him. Verse 1, again, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask that question. Do you know the peace of God which passes all understanding in your life? Do you know that you and God are restored in such a relationship that it's right? It's okay. I don't need to worry any longer. My status before God is such that I'm at peace with God. I was I wasn't. Before I became a Christian, I was not at peace with God. Because maybe I was striving to get to know him. Maybe I was trying to justify myself through my good deeds and my good works. But actually, when we become justified by faith, all of that gets blown away. We receive peace from God. We find peace in God. That's not just a little bit of, well, I, I feel a bit calmer. No, that's, hey, because I'm restored with him, because I'm made right in him, I've got peace with almighty God. He and I, we're friends. We're in relationship. I have, I've received that peace. I'm not, I'm not fighting him any longer. I've surrendered to him. There's peace with almighty God. The next one, uh, it goes on to talk about actually... Um, through whom we've gained access. We have intimacy with Almighty God. We have intimacy with him. We're such that we can call out Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. That's what we read about in Galatians 4, in Romans um, 8, later on when we'll get to that. Uh, talking about how the Spirit in us uh, cries out, Abba, Father. That's, that's a word of, da- of intimacy, of Dad. I love you, Dad. He's not some austere figure who's up in heaven who we can't really relate with. He's our Father, our loving, heavenly Father. This is what happens when we are justified by faith. This is the journey we go on. This is the fullness of the gospel we get to enjoy and experience. We come to enjoy God's grace through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Grace, what's grace? Well, there's lots of acronyms for grace and all the rest of it, but ultimately it's knowing and enjoying God's love and favor over our lives. And it's something we receive. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. In fact, it's something we really do not deserve. It's not something we can buy. But God's grace, his unconditional love, something we receive and we can live in the fullness of. We get a fresh perspective on life. I mean, isn't this crazy? At the end of verse 2, beginning of verse 3. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, so we rejoice in the goodness of God 
Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Come on, what? What on earth are you talking about? Yeah, we rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We find a fresh perspective on life, a new way of living, a new way of seeing things, a new perspective. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Life doesn't have to be lived the old way. This is a new way. It's a way of relationship, a way of walking with Almighty God as our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. What does that mean? Well, it means that we end up in that place of worship again. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And what is worship? Well, worship is surrender. It's saying, God, you are God. I'm not. And I recognize you as God. I recognize that you're almighty, not me. I want you to be glorified, not me. Worship is our surrender of our entire lives. And when we understand justification by faith, what it results in is this. I want to say, God, you're everything. And that perspective changes how I see things like suffering and persecution. It means that I live with Christ at the center of my life. That I want to live for his glory. It means that if, uh, um, afflictions, trouble, they're part of the journey. They, they actually, we start to see them as part of the richness of the journey of faith. That actually in that we learn to enjoy God more. We learn to deepen our relationship with him more. We embrace these things rather than think, oh no, why has that gone wrong? What's wrong? No, no, we embrace these things because actually in that process we're told <laughs> we, we, uh, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And this hope does not disappoint us. It draws us closer, draws us deeper in that relationship with Almighty God. A deep sense of hope from the Holy Spirit of God. As he pours out his love into our hearts and into our lives. Isn't this good? Can we see the fullness of what it means, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God coming into our lives? It's so much more than just, oh, I'm saved. It's so much more than my sins dealt with. It's absolutely essential. Please don't think I'm I'm denying that. No, that's, that's absolutely essential. But that's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. We live lives justified by our faith in Christ. Lives which bring us into a place of freedom, of delight, of enjoyment in our relationship with Almighty God. And then as this passage goes on, we realize that we are safe from the wrath of God. And that's just phenomenal. What do we mean by the wrath of God? Well, the wrath of God is um, God's punishment expressed through his righteous anger at man's sinfulness. Because God's holy. He can't have anything to do with sinful man. But in Christ, our sin is paid for on the cross in his sacrifice. And we appropriate that by faith as we come in faith and put our faith that Jesus was sufficient. And we, in so doing, we avert the wrath of God, God's righteous anger. 
not unrighteous anger, not, not worldly anger like often we get involved with. God's righteous, holy anger. The anger of a holy God. Sin. And it's all dealt with. It's all dealt with. It's all done away with. <laughs> we save from the wrath of God. Such that we are reconciled. We're brought back into the relationship God designed man for. Right at the beginning of the beginning of time, where the world was created, and man walked in the garden with Almighty God. We're destined for that reconciliation. We see some of that here on earth, and we know that there's a day coming where we will be with Him in glory, and we'll know the fullness of that. It's wonderful. This is what justification by faith means. There's so much more, and I said right at the beginning, than just I'm saved and my sin's dealt with. It opens up this amazing vista, this amazing panorama to enjoy of the goodness of God, of the grace of God, of the mercy of God. And if we had time, we could just delve into that so much more. But that's where we're going to uh, just pause here. And we say, so it leads us back ultimately to that place of worship, that is of surrender. And uh, 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 we see that in the end of this passage. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, Paul then goes on in the remaining half of uh, Romans 5 and um, gives a convoluted example about justification by faith. And I've got no intention of digging into that now. Uh, but if you want to read it, do read it. Do chew on it. It's wonderful. It's deep. But I, what I'd like to do instead is take us on into Romans chapter 6 just for a few minutes because the first part of Romans chapter 6, in fact, the first uh, 15 verses of Romans chapter 6 is just amazing. And so I'm just going to read it to us and draw a few very simple points from it. So and Paul would say, what should we say then? <laughs> that great phrase, I love that. What should we say then? How are we going to respond to this? That's what he's saying. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It's a great question, isn't it? Okay, if we're justified by faith, we're enjoying the grace of God. You know, should we just keep on sinning so that we get to know more and more of the grace of God? That's his question. By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Well, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Wow, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we knew that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, he's talking to his the hearers, the people listening to his letter, the receiving his letter. In the same way, Harvest Church, if you're in Christ here in this room today, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, uh, mortal body so you may obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master. Hallelujah. Is that great news? Sin does not need to be our master. It does not need to be in control of our life because you're not under law, but you are under grace. This free gift of grace, the love of God poured into our lives. So we can't earn salvation, but we can receive his salvation. What then? <laughs> Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I just want to focus on that uh, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. By no means. And the enormity of the picture he's painting, this vast landscape he's opening up for us to enjoy, the benefits uh, of of what ultimately will happen if we enjoy the benefits of justification by faith. He's painting here a picture of how we are to live. And there's just a few very simple points I want to draw from this. Uh, uh, so justification by faith leads us to a holy lifestyle. Now, a holy lifestyle, by the way, does not mean perfect. Okay, We will still sin occasionally, but it's our intention. Our intention is to live a life given over to God. Intention is to live a life given over for his glory and honor. So here's just a few things. Justification leads us to a holy lifestyle. We die to sin. Quite simply, we die to sin. That means it needs a daily choice. That means it means an hourly choice. Sometimes it, mean, it needs a minute-by-minute minute choice. We are all given that choice. Are we going to choose to die to sin? where that temptation to sin exists in our life, what are we going to do? We're going to say, God or me first? We need to no longer be ruled by sin. We come into a place in Christ where sin does not need to rule our lives. Isn't that great? Do you, do you feel that sin's got hold of your life? You may not know this yet, but you can be free of it. You can walk free from sin. That's the good news of the gospel. And God will enable you to do that. He sets us free from our past sin. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live a pure and holy life. We don't have to keep on sinning. We don't have to keep on feeling we're entrapped by sin. We're ruled by sin. Another point he's just um, drawing out from here. Don't let sin reign in your body. Interesting phrase, isn't it? It suggests we have a choice. And the reality is we do. We have a choice. What are we going to do with our lives? What are we going to do with our body? If we're seeing this big picture, hey, we're justified by faith. Are we going to get drawn into a different way of living? Or are we going to use this, this bizarre argument? Well, if I keep on sinning, surely that's going to give God more glory because I'm going to need more of his grace. Oh, don't be daft. 
That's really what he's saying. Don't be daft. Can't do that. What should we say then? No, 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 no. Let's live pure and holy lives. This is what God's called us to. Another, one, another phrase he says, don't offer your parts of your body to sin. But as instruments of righteousness. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with our bodies? How are we living? And then he finishes by saying, hey, be slaves, become slaves to obedience. That is obedience of the faith. Which, of course, mirrors exactly what uh, uh, Jesus said in his great commission in Matthew 28. Teaching, uh, making disciples of the world, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. We are called to lives of obedience, given over to Christ, given over to the glory and honor of his name. So justification by faith in 25 minutes. I'm sorry it's been a bit of a rush. I hope it gives you something to grab hold of. There's a sense there of, wow, look at this. I want to explore this further. I want to encourage you if you're part of a life group, but if you're not yet part of a life group, find one and become one. There's leaflets on the table there that tell you about them. Explore this, discuss this as life groups this week or next week, whenever you next meet. Let's explore what's it really mean to live by faith give ourselves over to pure and holy lifestyle but for now what we're going to do is we're going to enjoy all that Christ has done on the cross and the fact that we are justified by faith in him and we're going to break bread together this surely has got to be one of the most powerful things a Christian can do because what we're doing is recognizing that the cross was sufficient, that Jesus' death and on the cross was sufficient, that he paid the price for our sin, that our sin could be dealt with once and for all. That we can walk free, that we can enjoy a freedom which comes through the grace of God. And so um, we're going to break bread together. As we do this, um, a few things I just need to highlight. Uh, for the first time in a long time, you don't have to use one of these packets of wafer and juice. Hallelujah. Ooh, good thing I didn't squeeze that too hard. I may have made an awful mess. Um, we have uh, little um, uh, portions of juice in, in cups. We have bread in a basket, and you'll be able to help yourself on each one of the stations we've got one two three four stations scattered around the auditorium you will find there are some of these if you prefer your uh, uneatable wafer to be in a little packet you can have one of those and that's absolutely fine uh, you'll also find that there's some gluten-free options they're labeled separately which are i'm sorry to say uh, a wafer and juice in a packet so if you're concerned about germs and picking up things you're very welcome to use one of these but alternatively uh, you can enjoy fellowship together around the table. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to fellowship together around the table. Now, I had asked uh, Katie in the band, please don't get up, Katie in the band, to uh, lead us in a song. In fact, what I'd like to do, Judith, is could we go to the next song on your song list? Uh, what gift of grace, please? And what I'd like to invite us to do is to stand and read these words together as part of our worship to God. So if you'd like to stand.
Are we ready? Can, can we all see what we're doing? Okay, so let's read this together. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. We're going to pause there. Thank you, Jesus. That's the fullness of the message of the cross. That's what we all get to enjoy. So, friends, the Bible encourages us when we come to take communion, we need to pause and allow, just make sure we're right with Almighty God. And so we're going to do just that for a moment. We're going to have a moment of quiet and pause. And if there's things you know you need to uh, resolve, either resolve them with God now, or if you can't, you may want to pause from taking communion until you have resolved those. That's a biblical, good, biblical thing to do. And then in a moment, we will come forward and celebrate communion together. But let's just pause before God. Lord, we cast ourselves on your grace and your mercy. We thank you it's totally sufficient. You are totally sufficient. Christ is totally sufficient. We are free from sin in Christ Jesus. We're made pure and holy <laughs> just by your grace because you love us. And you draw us into a relationship and you call us to live that relationship out for the glory and honor of your name. And we want to do just that. And so as we come to celebrate the uh, Last Supper, a reminder of uh, uh, all that Christ did on the cross, his body broken for us, symbolized through this bread, his blood shed for us, symbolized through uh, this juice which we will drink. We want to say thank you, Father. All of this is sufficient and it's ours in Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We want to give ourselves to you in all that we have and all that we are. It be ours, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So please let's come forward, let's enjoy uh, celebrating community together. If you want to pray for one another, let's do that. And then in a couple of minutes, the band will be up and then we're going to sing that song we were just uh, reading the first verse of together. But let's enjoy it and uh, help ourselves please. Let's serve one another as we do so.
if you want more time just to reflect and uh, just encounter God, that is absolutely fine. You take your time. Uh, it's not a problem. Uh, I'm just going to pray and then Sean's going to come and share um, some information. Lord God, we are so grateful for your son. We're so thankful that we have been justified by faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for leading us into relationship. Thank you for all the benefits that we've just heard about. We thank you that we can take this bread and drink this juice, remembering all that you've done on the cross. And we thank you that it points us all back to relationship with you. Lord, we pray as a result of today, Lord, as a result of what we've heard and what's sinking into our hearts, we pray, come and meet with us through the rest of today, Lord God. Come and meet with us again and again, Lord. Remind us of who we are in you. Remind us of what you've done. Remind us of the, the benefits and the joys of knowing you and the peace that we have with you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Sean's going to come and tell us something. Encourage us in something. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so Commission Festival 2023. I'm going to be very quick. but uh, So next August, bank holiday, we as a church will be going down to the Bath and West showground to gather together for a Bible weekend. And really this is just an encouragement. If you haven't signed up already, we've got probably about 25 people signed up already. But we, we want to see a lot more going, do, uh, going down there. In the past, we've had 80 to 100 people from this church going. So we really just want to encourage people to, uh, well, firstly, if you don't know too much about Commission Festival, Katie and Tom have done a fantastic job preparing a notice board. Just go out the door here, turn left, and it's just there on your right. Go and have a look at that. You, there's so much on there. You can uh, find out about it. But as a church, we just want to encourage you to come along because actually it's a fantastic opportunity to gather together, church family, get some wonderful Bible teaching, wonderful worship. Children's work is fantastic. Okay, my children are older now, but when they were younger, they absolutely loved it. So if you've got small children, they will love it. Um, the price goes up at the end of this month. So please do book in early. You can uh, book and pay it over the, the following month, so you don't have to pay it as one lump sum. If you serve, you can get a discount. And as a church, if you really feel that it's too much, we are happy to look into the possibility of being paying towards you going. So maybe up to 50%, we'd encourage you, please do that before the end of the month so that it's a cheaper rate. But have a look at the notice board, come and chat to me, come and chat to Katie, who's over there, who was leading worship, um, but please do consider signing up. I think this will be fantastic for us as a church, once again. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you, Sean. Wonderful. We are going to finish up there. Thank you so much for gathering with us this morning. It's been lovely to be together, to meet with God together. We're going to serve teas and coffees and refreshments out in the cafe area. Parents, please head quickly downstairs and thank our children's workers, uh, especially for staying uh, a few minutes over. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of the week. And we'll see you on Thursday if you're around for an hour of prayer. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a good week.